0: What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Pedro Rojas, and joining me are my three great co-hosts, Perico Perez, Ralph Hanna, and Maria Britos. And guys, you know, we're into a new month. It's hard to believe it. We're already in March. This year has flown by fast. I mean, it's been... I would say, a a chaotic year. Nevertheless, I think after all the news that we've gotten over the last week, it feels like we've all aged probably like 50 years or something, or maybe 100 years if you add in the pandemic. So it's been quite a a crazy week since we last recorded here. But obviously, we do need to talk about what's been going on in our Paraguayan game. Obviously, we saw some really big wins from two teams in the Copa Libertadores. We'll talk about their chances of qualifying to the next stage of the tournament. We also see a side that is continuing to dominate and is showing no signs of going down. I mean, this is really, a, it could start being a season that is only dominated by one team. Will that one team continue? I have a Super classic go heading in a couple of weeks as well. So we'll definitely mention that and all the other things that are going on. We saw Paraguayans are playing abroad, getting their league started here in the United States. MLS started a couple of days ago um and obviously you know with the women's game obviously I have to mention them and see what kind of new changes are being made in this 2022 so let's go straight into it let's go all the way to the motherland to someone where after looking at the images that I saw yesterday it almost feels like you're coming out of a movie man man. I mean that dust storm that we saw that that postponed the Olimpia América game yesterday I mean talk about a really chaotic uh scene for an already chaotic league uh, like Paraguay. Yeah, weather is crazy all around the world,
1: and Paraguay is no exception. And unfortunately, yeah, just like you are saying, Roberto, for these first week, we actually had a couple of matches uh, that were affected to, by this situation. We had rain on the first week, I remember. There was a couple of games that were affected by that, and now this weird sandstorm right before the rain happening uh, that affected, obviously, the America olympia game that was supposed to end the fourth week of games. Uh, olympia was going to put... a a totally alternative team because they have to play Libertadores this week, just as Guarani also does. But it's it's great to be back. It's good to talk about all the Paraguayan football. We we got to talk about what's going on with Olímpio with Guarani. They they got to play their games again this week. Uh, I'm actually really happy with the results they got. What uh, I in Brazil, Olívia here in Paraguay, in front of their fans, in front of a lot of fans. Actually, it was good to see the de Chaco packed once again. You know those kind of images we're seeing uh, in 2022. Uh, I've been to Cerro Porteño Stadium. I've seen it packed. Now I've been to Olímpia's game, and I'm also seeing the fans uh being part of of, of the of the party, be, being part of the uh, of the games. Again, it's just wonderful to have the the, the stands full. Uh, and I'm happy to, to be right about these two teams, actually, because, you know, I was waiting for what I need to do this in, in Brazil. I was actually waiting for Olympia to keep on growing. And I'm really excited about the results they got. You know, they're just one step closer to the group phase uh, where these teams actually want to be. And they're going to earn about $3 million if they get there. So it's really good money for them. Hopefully both of these teams can get there, and then we can have four teams, four Paraguayan teams in group in the group phase. As for the league, Cerro Porteño is dominant. Uh, Resistencia just let go uh, of the top, and but they're still going to fight it. They're, they're, they're fighting all the big teams. that just play Guarani, which is actually weird to see Guarani down there because they haven't won a game yet after playing four uh, games so far. They are one of the four teams that haven't won yet, Guarani, Guaireña, Taquaria, Nacional, these four teams have yet to win. And I was actually really looking forward also to that Sol de América-Olympia match because Sol de América is the team with the most possessions so far, I was looking. And they are actually the only team to yet receive a goal in this, in this season. So it's actually really, really... Surprising to see Sol America in this spot, in, in this situation so early in the season. We'll see if they can keep it up just as resistance. You know, these teams uh, are kind of uh, showing what they got in these first games. And they're actually surprising a lot of people. And then I'm, I'm also happy. I'm proud to see the young fellas making it happen, you know, standing out for their teams. Robert Morales, 22 years old. He's scoring almost in every match for Cerro Porteño. Julio Enciso, just eighteen years old, and he scored what five goals in four games. He's the top scorer for the national for, for the local league. So it's just great to have these young stars, just as we're trying to move forward for the national team, just as we're trying to look To the future, you know, you're having these young stars coming about and they're really making it happen for their team. So I'm happy about that. And I didn't want to forget also, Roberto, to mention at the beginning of the show, you know, just the drama that's been going on around the world. And unfortunately, it also affected one of our Paraguayan football players. He had to go through uh, what he had to go through, actually, to get out of Ukraine with the whole chaos at the war or this intent to take over the country by Russia. You know, it has taken everyone by surprise. Also, football players that were actually there in the country, Jose Lopez, a Paraguayan, was only 23 years old. He had just gotten there. Actually, he had he only spent 22 days in the country before having to leave. He hadn't even signed his uh, his professional contract yet. He was living in a hotel when he was told he had to leave the country. Thankfully, he's just fine he's getting to Paraguay in the next couple of days but unfortunately he's not going to make uh true his dream of playing in in a European uh, team he was going to play in the third division in Ukraine but you know life has changed there so it's it's good to have Jose Lopez uh healthy here back in Paraguay at least he he was one of the people that was able to get out of there at at time Roberto
0: absolutely I mean obviously Football is was something that can unite a lot of people. And, you know, I think this is one of the things that uh we see from not just of the paraguayan players, but also from players around the world, you know, people really supporting this cause of for the Ukrainian people and obviously against all war. And like we say here at What Any Vision, obviously our thoughts and prayers go to the people of Ukraine and you know, hopefully a, a solution can be made to avoid any war. Uh, whatsoever. So, you know, I, I don't want to pull on a somber note. I actually want to go on a happy note because I think for someone like Maria, for example, you know, you, you weren't here last week. So I'm pretty sure you were delighted to hear about how Olympia are doing, especially to get a good win like this, because like Fede had mentioned before, I think getting that result was very important. And if they can hold on Uh, next week or not this not next week but you know this week playing Atletico Nacional in Medellin to earn that three million dollars that's a huge boost for a club that is really in debt and is really falling on bad times
2: yeah it's it was definitely a a shocking game for me at least Um, I see I I, I didn't get to watch the full game but I, I watched the highlights and that first goal was just pretty lucky I think but um, I think that kind of boosted the the the, the team's uh, morale, and and you know they went all out against uh, Atletico Nacional, and they were able to win three one, and you know um, it, it just looks like the whole team is happy. Um, I was just reading that uh, the that they are um, they are on time with their payments now. So that's definitely a, a very good uh, morale boost for, for them. You know they're going to be focused on on the Libertadores. Uh, they had a little bit of rest because of the postponed game. So I think they're going to go into the, the the this next round of the Libertadores very much refreshed, very much um, happy and 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 ready to keep going. You know they have a great advantage. Um, although they are home, home goals, but, um, it's still, it's still good advantage for, for, for them. Uh, Atlético Nacional is not an easy team. They are a pretty top team, uh, in, in Libertadores overall. So for them to actually get this result, it's, it's, it's pretty big. And I think it's, it's changing the whole, um, the whole idea, you know, the whole, club's mentality that the, the, they need to do uh, much better and, and, and getting out of that whole situation that they were in last year. So it's definitely great news. I'm very happy to see what, what they're up to um, in the table. Nash, uh, locally, they're doing pretty good, pretty all right. You know, they're not uh, bottom of the table like they were last, uh, last season, So that's, that's still pretty good. Um, you know, Casitas is doing a great job in my opinion. Uh, I, I I don't think that that they're all, I think they're just going to keep going up from now on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for what Ani's case, and Rafa, go to you on this one, like you said, this was a team that needed those goals and they weren't able to score at all. Okay. We did see them score on the weekend after this game, but Hey, they had to get a goal somewhere. And what more important way to get a goal than to do it in Brazil? Um, Against uh, America Minato, a really big result. I, I probably would say yes, impressive result for Olympia as well. Obviously, their history is is you know in a way it feels as if though it's more um, expected because obviously Olympia are a huge giant and to do it in this competition, uh, be it the bad um, times that they're going through at the minute, it kind of feels expected. But for Wanani, aside that, obviously had gone through such a, a terrible December of the way that they were able to lose the league right there against Serra Bordeño. Now they jumpstart back to a, a wonderful result over there in Belo Horizonte, thanks to a Josue Colman goal.
3: Yeah, that's right. And what a goal it was. It was a brilliant strike by Josue Colman, who's who's been on good form. I would say even at the back end of last season, you started to see him come into his own and, and show some of the quality that that took him to Orlando. in in MLS where maybe he wasn't able to to replicate that, but he was doing really well. He he scored that goal, which came almost from nowhere at the very end, and it's after Guarani had, I think they had something like 27% possession. You know, they They had their game plan. They knew they'd have their backs to the wall, but they managed to squeeze that result, get that first goal of the year because they hadn't scored until then. And it's only their second ever win in Brazil in their history. They've been playing Copa Libertadores since 1967, more or less. So think about that. That's a huge result. And the only person that's won both games is, of course, Fernando Juveiro. He was the coach back in 2015 when they beat Corinthians in Brazil as well. So and it was also a 1-0 and it was a very similar game in the sense that they were on the back foot and they managed to score at the end through uh Ferfer, Fernando Fernandez. So um, it's a great result. It it puts them in, in that brilliant position now at home this week. Well, at home they'll be in the defensores del Chaco, of they know America have to come onto them. And they can try and play that counter-attacking football, which they did in Brazil. They can employ that at home because they have the one-goal advantage. And we saw at the weekend, I think Fede mentioned that the team at the weekend that did end up scoring three goals, funnily enough, was very much a a mixed team. There was maybe three or four, I would say, first-teamers in there. And the rest were some young players, like people like Mati Segovia, who just came back from the under-20s Lotadores. But then you have some interesting players like Brian and Ayala, who's a very good player, but that was his first start of the season. He got two assists. So maybe he's he's knocking on the door for to play this week as well. But really a, a brilliant result for what I mean. And I I didn't, I didn't have it. I wasn't as confident as Fede because I saw them, I saw them trying to play well, but I didn't see them being able to hold out and get that result. So good job, Fede, for for going for it. And for Olympia, but well, yeah, <laughs> They, they got the great. result.
1: They didn't deserve it that much, Rob. It was just one shot at goal. They didn't do much there
3: in Brazil. Yeah, but for and for Olympia, just quickly, I mean, that Olympia atmosphere was huge. That's people were saying this is like 2013, the year they got to the final. It was it was it was very nice to see for Olympia fans that so many people are behind the team and so many people. I kind of got that confidence again after a long time and even when they won in 2020 because of the format and the pandemic and things you didn't see that atmosphere so they, that was great to see for them but don't get too excited because if they get through against Atletico Nacional they probably have to play Fluminense in the final round to get to the group so it's never easy oh and one last thing talking about good atmosphere Guarani's prices for this week's Copa Libertadores game start at 14,000 guaranias, which is like $2 or £1.50 in English money. That's really popular prices. You don't usually see that low, even in Paraguay. So let's hope they get as full as possible on Wednesday night. Absolutely. Let's see what happens
0: there. But let's go into that result, like you said. Like you said, it was a fluky goal. I think obviously, you know, getting the type of results is important, especially considering a team needed to score goals and they got it. But Looking into the second leg, now hosting at the Defensores at Chaco, obviously in América I Minero mean, side that I understand that they could take advantage with getting the results that they need to to advance. I mean, you know, I, I'm curious to see how this all will come about because I know América I Minero mean, will want to go on the attack to try and get the um, the results needed. So I'm curious because you know there, I believe there's no away goals if I'm not mistaken in this format. If, if there is, just let me know, but you know, this is a America Mineros side that are just going to continue attack. And for Guarani's case, I mean, for a side that only were able to just find their goals until recently, do they go on the attack? Do they sit back and try to, to hold on the league? I mean, how do you view this game uh, for Guarani if you are Fernando Huero? No, I think you got to be smart
1: about it, just like they were in in that first play, you know, in that first game in Brazil. Just be smart about it, knowing that you might not have the ball as much just because you're playing against the Brazilian side that's probably a lot faster than you, that has, knows what to do with the ball also. And he hasn't showed their identity yet. Uh, they're not 100%, definitely. They're, they're, they're trying to build something new with this team. They, they have a new goalkeeper this season, Davis Vasquez, that's a really young uh, goalkeeper, a Colombian young a goalkeeper that actually stood out during the weekend. Uh, he's getting game time now. Uh, after Serbia has left the club and they had trouble uh, maintaining their starting defense for these first games. They're, they finally have everybody healthy, apparently, even though there are a couple of players that, that are in doubt for this uh, game uh, against America. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm looking forward to this Guarani. I hope that it can be a boost. You know, what happened in Brazil the other day, that, that last-minute goal by, by Josue Colman, uh, I think it's just what they needed to, to believe in the, themselves again. And, but they need more football in that midfield. Uh, they need more from Marcelo Gonzalez. They, they need a lot more from, from Josue Colman. Also uh, they're missing those players that, that kind of left at the, at the end of the last season. And they also need the goals, just like Ralph was saying. I mean, Fernando Fernandez hasn't been able to score lately and they need somebody around him and, Fernando Jubero, the, the coach, has been kind of looking for that other striker. They brought in Jose Arias Nunez, who was playing last season in 12 Octubre. Yeah, he's been in and out of the team. I mean, they haven't gotten that uh, perfect uh, duo for, for Fernando Fernandez. It could be Sergio Barreiro also, who, who went to Mexico. He used to play in Cerro Porteño, is now back in Paraguay. To play for this Guarani team. They also have an exciting young player like Matias Segovia, but he's actually not available for these two games because he got sent off in the under 20 Libertadores. So, unfortunately, he is banned to play these games unless uh, Guarani moves on from this phase uh, and, and, and they get to the next round. Then they can use Matias Segovia, a very exciting young player. One of those players that you gotta look out for, not just for this season, but for the future. But you know they gotta get something done, and uh, hopefully they can get this result they really needed uh, just to build something around the team and to build confidence. I mean, what you were saying that the sa- disaster December that it was that they had, I mean, it, it was not easy to get over that for the players, for the club, for the for the coach and staff, and I think that that kind of win that they got against America is just what they need to bring up the spirit.
3: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point you were making there about midfield and a great um, point about Mat- Mati Segovia, because I didn't realize that that uh, suspension carries over into senior Deutadores. That's very frustrating. But one thing I was looking at, the team they set up actually is, it was a lot of attacking players, the, the team in the first leg. It was Ariel Nunez, like you said, but up front with Fernando Fernandez. And then you have two very attacking players in Josue Colman and, and Marcelo Gonzalez kind of behind them. And I wonder if what he will do is drop probably Ariel Nunez, bring in Brian Ayala, who had a really good game on the left wing, and then you pack a bit more than midfield. I, I could see him doing that. Josue Colman, can really play, like, floating behind Fernando Fernandez. and that might be something he tries to do looking at this. And the other interesting thing I saw in that game against America was how Guarani got better as the game went on. In the first half, they didn't have a single shot. Like, not just not on target, not a shot. But then in the second half, as America had to push a bit because they felt the pressure of, well, we need to do something here at home, then chances, a few chances opened up in a few spaces. So... I think maybe he'll think of let's set ourselves up a bit more defensively pack the midfield at, at the start and then maybe let go in the in the second half when they have a chance um that's how I would do it let's see how Jubero does it because remember fernando Jubero is a very attacking minded manager that's his his philosophy is very attack minded so maybe maybe he will feel it's is against his his morals to go with just one up front but we'll see
0: you guys, you know, obviously, you know, I want to put a bow on this conversation. Do you guys feel confident that when I need to do the job and qualify to the next run?
1: I think it could end up in penalties, actually. I think it's going to be very hard to keep this American team from scoring on them. I mean, this team had so many shots on that first game. I'm actually surprised they didn't end up scoring there, but... I think it's going to be really tough for for, for need, even more than Olympia, maybe. Even though they're going to play in different zones of Chaco, I actually
0: see penalties. It's going to be tough on this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough
3: as well. What do you think? Yeah, I, it, it's going to be hard. I I think they can do it. I think that advantage is such a big advantage of having one away and playing the second leg at home, regardless of away goals, which doesn't count here. But... It's just the fact that you're you're at home already with the advantage. So I think they get. I think they'll do it. They'll squeeze through, and then they get or oh, Barcelona or Universitario. Probably Barcelona in the next round. So they've actually got, in a way, an easier route than uh, than Olimpia in that sense.
0: Maria, do you want to make it three for three and go for one any in this case?
2: Obviously, yes. Okay, wanna, there you go. We'll <laughs> when make it for- the to international tournament. We have to support our teams. So. Well, obviously, <laughs> I'll make
0: it four-on-four four and hope that what I need do indeed qualify. And now that we all say that, we we'll probably just jinxed them. So let's see what happens there. But let's look at another side who probably have a better chance of qualifying after the great result that they had over there in Asuncion. Olimpia getting a 3-1 win against Atletico Nacional, goals from Silva in the seventh minute. And Fernando Cardoso, the young uh, player that was actually in Portugal playing at Boa Vista and Vizela, He's back at Olympia, 21 years old. Current top goal scorer at the, at the Copa de Ardores at the moment as well. Huge result. I, I mean, Maria, you saw it, you saw the highlight. It's a big result. And, and like Fede had mentioned, like Ralph had mentioned, you're looking at a packed crowd. You, you're starting to see a team that, you know, I, I think we can understand is not there to fight for the local league. We get that. But I think what they're trying to do is try to regain those finances and those finances come from playing these games in the Copa Libertadores, from gaining that $3 million if they do qualify. Now they have this big game against Atletico Nacional in Medellin but I think what we're starting to see from an Olympia side and I think we said this really early on is that it's a side that is continuing to grow and you might start to see a young manager like Julio Cesar Casas obviously someone who was born and bred in Olympia, came through the academy won titles there so he knows the club more than anyone else and I think now you're starting to see the work that is being made. And I think slowly it's, it's only going to get even better for them um, moving forward towards the year.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a work in progress, obviously. So, um, you know, with having a manager that like is that knows the club from inside out, it definitely helps out, you know, with, with putting out a better performance because you know the coach can connect with the with the players can make smarter better decisions can have a better relationship with the office so it's it it all has to work in one piece for 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 the team to have good results um and and with this also comes you know the fans and the and the 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 hope that that the fans have the you know to for, for the fans to to support them to continue being there no matter what, and um, after seeing the whole stadium packed, you know, in, in black and white, it was it was just it was really one of those like Fede was saying, like one of those great uh, things to see um, in in a long time. So that definitely boosts uh, boosts them around, like I was saying earlier. And and to go um, into this game in Medellin, which um, is going to be you know in Colombia eh, away. Um, you know, not a, not an easy. In the altitude,
0: by the way, as well. In, in the, the Exactly.
2: Not an easy, um, not an easy area to play in. Um, and apparently they are going back for um, a little revenge. Uh, I was reading that they have um, the last, one of the last times that they had played against uh, Nacional in Medellin uh, was a very important game um, in, the, in 1989. And, you um, Apparently, they lost that game, and um, it was a very controversial match. Uh, there was a lot of uh, drama involved, a lot of, um, I believe, uh, yes, it was the final, uh, like Roberto says, in 1989. Um, there were some uh, narco narcotraficantes uh, involved as well. So you can see, you know, where this is going. So for, for Olympia to, to go back to Medellin and play against this team, is definitely a, you know a very important game for them so we'll see how uh, how this plays out but hopefully in the in a good way and a positive result that,
3: that final in 1989 they didn't even play in Medellin actually they refused to play in Medellin because of Pablo Escobar in, who was so linked to the club at the time, so Comerbo moved it to Bogotá. So they played in Bogotá, but you have Olympia players. A lot of them, I remember Eva Almeidas talked about it before. They felt threatened. They they felt under pressure. And they've complained about that final before. Uh, that I think it ended up going to penalties, if I remember correctly, because yes, they, they did, yes. yeah they lost that game. They'd won the home leg, uh, and this is funnily enough, this is the first time they've ever played Atlético Nacional in Medellin because. They played 89 and then after the 89 final, Comebol didn't allow them to play in Colombia even, because not even in in Bogotá. So they played them once, I think, in San Cristóbal in Venezuela and one time in Santiago de Chile. They ended up playing. And all the games previously have been really important because that was the final. They played then in the semifinals for the other games. So they've always been really historically big matches. And... This is the first time I think both sides have ever been kind of so so low in a way that they have to play qualifiers. Of course, the qualifiers didn't exist in early editions of Liutadores, but it's quite rare to see two really big teams at this stage. And one bit of good news for Olympia is that actually um, Atletico Nacional without a coach or without a full-time coach, Alejandro Restrepo, he, he was, he was um, sacked today, I think, or yesterday. So they're going in with a temporary coach on Thursday because they're trying to negotiate with Hernán Crispo to bring him in, but it definitely won't be done on time for that game. So that's something else I think in, in Olympia's favor that for once, they're the ones with the stable manager and things going well because they've had so much turbulence recently. And just look at this, they're nine games unbeaten. That's a good run. So if we stretch it back to the end of last year and the things like the and the and the Copa Paraguay, they're nine games unbeaten Olympia. The interesting thing is they've only kept two clean sheets on that run, and that was against uh, Universidad Cesar Vallejo, who were a very weak opponent, if we're honest. They keep conceding goals, but they keep scoring, so they have all those goals from all around the team, like Roberto, you mentioned Fernando Cardoso, uh, Ale Silva keeps popping up with, with goals, sometimes with there's funny penalty kicks that if anybody watches him, he kind of does this, almost like a triple jumper, like hop, skip, before he takes penalties. But then you have Delis Gonzalez, you have Jorge Recalde. So, so they have the goals coming from all different areas, which, which has been very interesting. And what I've really thought at looking at Julio César Casares, he did what Ottoman couldn't do, I think, which was really work out his midfield because Olympia suffered so much in that midfield the whole time. And it looks like Julio César Casares has kind of found that, that balance finally. Uh, so, I'm, if I don't know if we're a prediction stage yet, but I'm confident for, for Olympia. I'm more confident for them in this round than, than Guarani, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. Of, of course, you're confident now after they won 3-1 in the Pesoras Chaco and looking like that in the second half. I mean, they actually suffered a lot. Of, you know, this, this Atletico Nacional can handle the ball, and they, they really have a lot of quality players in that midfield. But they're not going through their best moment right now, just as Ralph's saying uh, they sacked their coach. So you know in there in that locker room, they're gonna have the pressure on them, especially playing on their home ground now. they're, they're pretty much uh, due to, you know they have to get this win at least uh, against Olympia. and they have to get two goal difference. so it's gonna be hard for I- going to to handle that situation. Olympia is a team that's looking pretty well without the ball. This is not a team that needs the ball to feel to confidence. And the best thing about this team right now, I think it's their coach. I mean, uh, Julio Cáceres not only uh, got a, a couple of titles at the end of the season last year, but he's handling pretty well this roster right now. I mean, bringing in new players in. Marcos Gomez in that midfield. I mean, ever since this kid came in, 20 years old, nobody's taking him out of the team. He's playing now uh, alongside Richard Ortiz. He's got a veteran right next to him. And you got Guille Paiva, also the striker. He's hot, scoring in almost all the matches that he's coming in. So you're getting solutions from the young players in, in a semester where you couldn't bring in new players. So right now for Olympia, it's just all good news, hopefully they can keep it up like this and the results just keep on happening. Just like you're saying, Roberto, you know, they're having good results from last year already. So, you know, they're feeling the good vibes. The coach is handling it pretty well and they're looking really healthy. I mean, I'm looking at some players that last year were having some sort of trouble uh, staying healthy and uh, keeping the rhythm with the rest of their teammates. And right now I'm seeing a team that's really making a difference that it's ready for this Libertadores. And Olimpia in Libertadores is just a whole other story, Roberto. And everybody here believes in Olimpia when they play Libertadores. And you could feel that atmosphere also in Defensores and Chaco. Even though Atlético Nacional looked like a team that was tough, they got they got two goals right at the end. And Golazos, I would say, even, you know, out of those three goals, two of them were really good goals. I think Fernando Cardoso's goal was actually the best goal of the week. Last week in Libertadores, it was chosen the best goal of the week. So, you know, Olympiás is doing a couple of good things. And then you have that rivalry that Maria was talking about. It was three years in a row, actually, 89, 90, and 91 that they played against each other. One of them was in the final, though, the one in the 89 where Atletico Nacional won uh, Olympia, it took the took the revenge on the 90 and then they played against uh, in 91 Olympia was champion in the 90 so yeah obviously there is a historic rivalry between these teams and there was that libertadores atmosphere last week when they played in defensoras so, and i do think they're going to have uh they're going to have it hard in medellin the fans there are you know they're going to make it tough for Olympia. they're not going to they're not going to make it easy for them
0: no they're not they are definitely not and i think the result that they got over there in Asuncion puts them in a good shape. I mean, obviously they need to really confirm, I guess, their their presence and try to get a goal early or try to close off all of Atletico Nacional's Nationals attacks as best as they can. But, you know, I think these are two, this is a side that is starting to gain more confidence. I didn't expect it to happen so soon. I thought it would take a little bit more time for them to really demonstrate what they are, but they're doing it so quickly that, you know, if they do advance, and I'm confident, I'm sure a lot of us here are feeling confident about this side, if they do choose to play Fluminense, and they go past there, I mean, my God, And then now we're talking about a whole different Olympia than in comparison to last year. I mean, yeah, like you said, Fede, Olympia, when it comes to this competition, it's a whole different beast. I mean, it could be one of the worst Olympia sides out there, and then they could still make it difficult for a lot of opponents. So we'll see what happens to them. We'll see what happens to Guarani. And, you know, <coughs> I think obviously... We need to always give our support to the Paraguayan team, especially the ones that are also going to be playing in the group stages, like Libertad and Cerro Borteño, with the group stages of the Libertadores is starting very soon. Switching gears now, obviously, to the local league. We have to talk about what's been going on there, because we are still seeing one team really running away with it. And running away with this means we have a new leader, and that is Cerro Borteño. Four wins out of four games, 10 goals scored, four goals against. 12 points makes Cedro Borteño the top team right now in the country after defeating Guaireña 2-0 in Villarica. But you have a libertad side that is closing in deep with 10 points tied with resistencia only on goal difference. Libertad only ahead by one goal, courtesy of the top goal scorer at the moment, guys. Before we get into Cedro, again, Julio Enciso continues his rise. At 18 years old, he's already the top goal scorer with five goals to his name, another young player. Uh, basically, I would probably say the two most exciting young players, you would say, uh, at least when it comes to goal scorers, him and Robert Morales, El Pla Pantera, um, with four goals to his name. So, you know, Fed, I'll go to you on this one, because, you know, for all the dominance that we're seeing from sides like Robert, Daniel, Libertad, who have the best teams, you would say, in the country, it's interesting to see that you got two youngsters And Cecil, 18 years old. And Morales, I think he's 22, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. So, yes, So, to have those two youngsters really go up in the the goal scoring rate shows a lot about where both these teams are really looking uh, to contend and what approach they're trying to do for this league. Yeah, especially
1: when you look at what they have around them. I mean, Morales now has Marcelo Moreno-Martins, the the South American uh, a striker right there sitting, uh, waiting for his spot. You know, he, he, he's sitting there at the bench waiting to start the in this team. And then you have Alfio Oviedo, who also came back. He's, a, he's like 26 years old. He's a little bit older than, than Morales. But, you know, he's also high. He came in and he's scoring. You got Sergio Diaz, who is hungry for revenge. He wants to play a lot also. So you got... You got a lot of forwards. You got a lot of competition, but Lord Morales, now he's getting the, the starting role and he's making it happen. When a lot of people were thinking that he was only uh, a, a second half player, that, a player that was only coming in the, in the matches and making a difference at the end of the games. But no, he, he's he's really growing. And uh, under Chiquiase, I think he still has no ceiling whatsoever. This kid uh, is going to keep on growing. And the same thing with Julio and Ciso I and mean, this kid is even younger. He's 18. He has so much ability to take out players on one-on-one and he's really taking over and he has a, a surrounding, uh, a tremendous surrounding also in, in Libertad. I mean, talk about Roque Santa Cruz experience, talk about, uh, Cardoso, uh, you know, they're all taking this kid under his wings, under their wings. And, you know, they're teaching him, they're, they're, they're trying to keep in uh, with this, with his speed. Uh, on the ground, uh, you know, this kid this kid is, is getting more famous and, and by the day and more attention every single day because of the goals that he's scoring because of his ability just to make plays. And it's just great to see them really taking over in Cerro Porteño, in Libertad, and, hey, maybe they're going to be the stars of this tournament. After four weeks, I
3: must say, they're, they're the ones that are really standing out. Yeah, that's right. These young players are doing really well. So Serra and Libertad are racking up as, as many points as they can before the group stages start in the Libertadores. And one, one thing about Morales has been so impressive, Fede was saying he's been a, he was a second-half player, substitute player. So he scored nine goals in his last 12 games, but it's actually a goal every 69 minutes when you break it down because he was hardly playing last last year. Now he has a responsibility of starting and he's doing the same thing, he's still scoring goals. I thought the the second goal, particularly at the weekend against Guarena, was brilliant. It was it was classic Morales in that his movement is so good. So you see him, he's he's sort of lurking between the two center backs. He has a side-on position because he's waiting to see where the ball's going to come. As soon as uh, Pico Lucena has the ball in space, he starts the run. And and Lucena is so good at in his passing range, he finds him perfectly. And he's just accelerated through the two the two defenders before they know what's happened. It's such a it's such a good good skill. Or, or it's not even a skill, it's like an instinct that he has to be able to find those spaces. And then the Julio and CISO goal is very interesting because they couldn't break down Taquari. Taquari were doing the typical Taquari that people remember from 10 years ago of just being very defensive. They got into, like, fights. There were lots of fouls. Both, play, both teams had a player sent off at that point. They even brought on uh, Takwara to play with Enciso and Roque. So all three of them were playing together at that moment when he scores. And it, he has the ball quite far out because they're finding it so hard to get past this low block of Takwari. So he just goes for it. He goes for it from 25 yards. gets a bit of luck with the deflection. And scores, But that shows his confidence. He doesn't score so often from that kind of range. You usually see him running, driving into the box and scoring. So he's just adding more things to his game. And that's really exciting. And like Fede mentioned, it's so important that he has Roque and Oscar Cardoso there to kind of keep his feet on the ground before he gets his big move to Europe. Because he will. He will get it at some stage. If not in June, I think by by next year, he'll be He'll be gone. He'll be in Europe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Maria, I want to go to you on this one because I think after the elimination of the Paraguay National Team from the World Cup, we need to start looking at those young players and what better way to see it than what we're getting in the local league from players like Morales and Enciso, so who are trying to say, hey, we're the future and no one is going to stop us um, from taking our spots.
2: Yes, definitely. It's It's great to see so many young players now. Uh, shining out uh, better, and the fact that you know these clubs are looking at them and finally moving on from the typical, um, you know, the players that we've always that that we've always counted on. You know, like uh, uh, Roque Santa Cruz and Tacuara, and you know, all those players are you know are ending their careers, and and now you know the clubs have no other choice but to look at the at the, at the younger at the younger kids. When in reality it should have been always a mix I, I, I think it should always uh, the, the younger players should always already be mixing in with the senior players and and, and working on that so that way we don't have that big gap uh, of what had been happening with, with the national team so hopefully you know now with um, this this break that they're gonna have because they're probably not gonna uh, qualify. Uh, they can focus more on this uh, situation and 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 really see what we have uh, locally, um, because also you know uh, having abroad players abroad, um, it's it, it it comes with its difficulties. You know they they have to come and they have to travel. So it's 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 it'll be nicer if the national team. Uh, the coaches there can start already working with these players uh, at home, um, and that way give them a little bit more of a chance than the players abroad. Obviously, the players abroad have uh, a little bit more of an advantage because they are um, playing, probably getting more playing time and so forth. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's great. Um, I, I hope that they continue to work with, with them. Uh, it's definitely very important for the future of of our game.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what's more important as well, and basically the, the, the growth of football in, in Paraguay is also, and we're going to switch gears on our final segment is what's going on with the women's game. Obviously the league is in full swing as well. You know, Ralph, I'll go to you on this one because, you know, we're seeing some new format changes being made, obviously after a year of football, what kind of decimated the, you know, not just what's happening in football, in the first division but obviously from the youth levels and, and the women's game I mean what do we have in store for for the women's game heading into this year
3: yeah a couple of the big changes one is quite interestingly they're playing with 13 teams this this year so they every every team in, in Primera the the men's league has to have a women's team that's part of the the obligation that and the, the move towards professionalization. So you have those 12 teams, but then River Plate did so well last year in the in the women's game, they wanted to keep the team. So you've got the 12 teams that you will see in Primera in the men's league, but also River Plate. So that, that's already throws up something interesting because each week a team has a bye. So they have to work that out with the scheduling. But then what they've done is they've done away with the playoff system, they call it the ligia System. So last year, what would happen is the top four teams would then go in and play semi-finals and a final. But they've done away with that, so it's just whoever's top at the at the end of the season, at the end of each short season, because it's the same as the men's Apertura and Clausura. Uh, whoever's top is is the champion. So there, there's a couple of key changes and. I'll throw it to Fede to see if I'm right. But I think this year in the move to professionalization, there's an, there's a specified number of players that have to be professionally contracted. So they have to be paid. And I think that's moved up to six this year in, in each squad. But yeah, I'll, I'll throw it to Fede, more. who knows more. Yeah, it's two more every year. So now we're up
1: to six. Next year it'll be eight and so forth. and and so forward. We're supposed to try to get the whole roster being professional, you know, all all the girls. It's important also that the under-18 category also started because we didn't have this going on last year. And, you know, that's also the future of the women's team. We had a lot of young players, I remember, last year in top division due to that situation. of Those young girls that are 16, 15, that are maybe not ready to play against the big girls, but just because they didn't have... They're uh, under 18 division uh, playing. They had to play in, in the first division. So we had a couple of players like that. Maybe it was good for them. Maybe it was bad for them. Only time would tell. Uh, I'm actually happy to see uh, teams uh, from from the countryside because Guayreña actually brought in really nice players last year. We have General Caballero now from Juan León Mallorquín, uh, from the Alto Paraná region. Uh, hopefully we can get new girls from there also. You know, these teams from there can bring new players to the scene, and the, the the teams that actually came up to the division, like Taquari, Resistencia, uh, Ameliano, they had to build uh, totally new teams, so they actually uh, Acquired new, new players, you know that they hire new players, and I, I was actually looking at the roster that Tacuary and Resistencia have, and it's pretty it's pretty decent. Uh, they actually took really good players, so I'm looking forward to how these teams are going to start building up. Let's remember everybody that last year Cerro Porteño was the dominant one. They ended up playing uh, the Libertadores, uh, the women's Libertadores at the end of the year. They actually had a really good Libertadores. They lost a lot of players, but they maintained their coach. And they're of players, so they're still, I think, the number one favorites to take it. Olympia brought in a lot of good players. And then you have Libertad uh, always getting a, a, a good team ready. Sol de América always brings in good players. You know, those are the teams always to follow in the women's uh, team, in the women's league. But it's a special year because we got Copa America. The national team is gonna play half of the way, uh, half half of the year, and so we're gonna need uh, all the girls to be scoring. We're gonna need the girls to be on their top uh, of their game because it is gonna be a, an important year also for the national team. That's what, why we're gonna be following the women's game like always, Roberto.
0: Absolutely, and obviously we have the leagues full in, in full swing. We have the national team also gonna be competing in that Copa America femenina in the summer, well the summer year winter over there in paraguay so we'll obviously keep our eyes and ears um posted on what's going on there and i think this is the best way to close another great episode guys another great episode of what any vision keeping in the inside of all the Paraguayan teams over there so i think uh it's a good way to close it for myself robert rojas Felipe perez maria britos and ralph hannah thank you so much for listening in see you soon